Well, welcome to the Cup for Time podcast here at the Canton United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Clay. I'm joined by Eric Stearns, and we're joining together on Zoom tonight. Um, just kind of been one of those weeks, but uh, today we're going to dig into my message from Sunday, which was about sharing our faith or evangelism. Uh, so both Eric and I are going to share some people in our lives that were kind of helped us understand what the gospel was, um, and then just dig into some of the excuses that we give as to why evangelism is not for us. Um, but before we do that, Eric, I just wanted to thank you for letting Pastor Peggy come on last week. We had a great conversation um, and just uh, but glad to be back with you this week. So let's go ahead and get into it. Awesome. Between the topic and just the weekend that it was, um, I had a really hard time putting together the sermon. Um, just evangelism really? is such a hard topic sometimes to talk about. Mm -hmm. and like evangelicalism, because that term has become so loaded and kind of a political. And political. Term. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I just, I was trying to balance like how far into those weeds I wanted to dig. Um, so, right. Yeah. What were you, yeah. what were some of your initial thoughts, Eric, of like, you know, because I did at the, at the start of it, like I, I gave a definition of what evangelical is and what it means. Um, mm -hmm. And, then, and then, then one of the things I was proud of saying is that, you know, with that true definition in mind, uh, without everything else that the word has become, I am an evangelical. Like, I mm -hmm. want, I like that. Know, I want people to know about Jesus. Um, you know, but do you wish I would have gone further into the political part of it or, no. or, or the, or the, or the baggage of that word? Or did I, did I do enough work around the baggage? I don't think you should ever pay enough lift service to baggage in my opinion. I mean, never pay too much attention to that. I sure. think it's more valuable in talking about what is true about it. Just because there's a political block of people that call themselves evangelicals and all vote conservatively doesn't right. mean that that's actually important. Right. I probably fit into that category, but does that actually matter to me? Not at all. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. I I thought you spent the required amount of time on dismissing that. Okay. And saying how little, I mean, you didn't say it wasn't important, but because you spent so little time on it, right. it made it feel less important. Yeah. And I okay. think that's the right way to handle it. Nice. Thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, good job. That was that was one of the questions I had um, about this sermon in particular is because evangelicalism has become its. I mean, and like I said, it is a word that means so many things that it almost means nothing. Mm -hmm. that, and like, I think that that's sad because it has. The, I mean, it can define who we are as Christians as a perfect way of stating that we are on this mission of making Jesus known. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that really is all we are, right? Or, I don't know. Popular opinion has ruined stuff, ruined stuff sure. in different ways. And oh, I would yeah. say that that is one of them. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. I don't know if I want to say media or pop culture or, you know, just, mm -hmm. yeah, the, the, the zeitgeist of our, of our times. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, I would agree. No, I, I thought you did a really nice job. Um, one of the things I could have dug more into, um, at the end of the sermon, I talked about the reasons why we don't take on evangelism. Um, you know, the fact that we don't think that our story is dramatic enough, or we don't know the Bible well enough, or what would I say? Um, you know, the, one of the things that I wanted to, that I could have dug into in that instance is like, these are not new excuses. Like, these are not new reasons why people have gone out of the way or try, tried to get out of the way of doing what God had asked them to do. 
like with the, I don't know what to say. Like that's Moses. Like that's Moses's story the entire time. That's one of the things that, that's one of the things that got cut while I was writing is because I wanted to dig in to be like, you know, Moses did not mm-hmm. know what to say. Moses, like when God called him to go to Pharaoh and say, hey, you're going to let these Israelite people go because that's what God says you're going to do. Like Moses didn't have those words. Moses didn't have those words. Those were words that God gave to Moses. And like mm-hmm. every step of the way, when when God was telling Moses what Moses was going to do, he had a good reason why he wasn't going to do those things. And every single time, God was the one to say, well, you don't think you're a good enough speaker? I will turn you into a good enough speaker. You don't think that you think that the work is too big for you? Hey, here's your brother Aaron. Like, you know, you don't think the people are going to believe you? Here's a staff that turns into a snake. Like, come on now. Stop it. Just go and do the darn thing, you know? And mm-hmm. just every step of the way, like, and that we can come up with those same excuses. But yet every single time God is going to give us what we need to do what God has asked us to do. And well, I just, okay. How often do you sit down to write a sermon and you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know what I mean? Like, how often does that happen to you? And then as you read resources or whatever, somehow that idea just kind of formulates in your brain and then you can just start writing. Yep. I don't know about for you, but when I do that, when I when I when you ask me to preach, I'm like, oh crap! It comes to like Wednesday, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to say. Right. And then I, well, I've talked about this. I go on a run, and then all of a sudden, it all just comes to me. You yep. know, absolutely. I'm like, That's not me. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Like like I, was, like I was saying at the start of this conversation, like this sermon was hard for me, and part of what was hard was just staring at a blank word document saying okay, what do we do with this now? You know, like, cause like, like, you know, Pastor Peggy and I have been putting the sermon series together and like, we, we picked these words a while back and now it's like, oh my gosh, what do we do? What do we do with this word? You know, like, and like there's baggage around this word and this is a really jargony word. And like, you know, we hear this word and we think that it means just that one thing. And that bit that, you know, evangel- evangelism is such a bigger word than we give it credit for. So like, I was really not starving for, for, for places to go, but it was just kind of a matter of like trying to decide exactly where to go to just get words on the paper, mm-hmm. you know? And that's why, like, you know, I mean, I, again, I, I say this a lot and I, I mean it every time I say it, I'm not smart enough for these things to coincide the way that they do. Cause like my sermon introduction could not have happened if I didn't teach confirmation last Sunday. You know, because mm-hmm. that was that was Sunday's confirmation session. That's how we started sure. confirmation. Cool. That was that balderdash idea. And like, you know, I was able to then say, hey, you know, this is a the 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 definition of evangelism and the definition of evangelicalism. What's the real definition? And why do we believe these definitions that are not what that is? You know, and it's because someone's trying to convince us of a different definition. That's balderdash. That's literally balderdash. That's the game, you know. And so it was just kind of fortuitous that, you know, I think that's just part of God's wisdom and not my own wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. Where the word tells us, you know, to trust in God and lean out on our own understanding kind of means it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those, it's one of those things. I don't know. If things are hard to define or we can't put it in a box, yep. we don't want to do it. Yep. This definitely feels like one of those things. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, it's hard to, to do evangelism. Yeah. Um, because you get rejected all the time. Right. Or you have the fear of getting rejected all the time. Yep. Absolutely. You know? Not necessarily always getting rejected, but that that thought creeps into your mind. You're like, well, do I waste my time doing this? You know right. what I mean? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, you can tell someone as much as you want to that, like, if you if you do share the gospel and they do tell you no or they do yell at you or they do, you know, whatever, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting God. And those are two different things. But yet it still can feel very personal because our faith is so personal to us. Mm -hmm. You know, like my faith means more to me than anything else in my life. And like if someone were to if I were to be sharing the gospel with someone or sharing the reason why faith is so important to me and they just tell me either no thanks or, you know, to, to go suck a rock, it's hard to not take that personally. But yet, Absolutely. you know, yet the truth does remain that, you know, they're there in the end, you know, they, they might be rejecting you and mm -hmm. that, that hurts. I mean, and that can cause the loss of relationship or that can, you know, you know, people are like, oh, well, you changed or you turned into this. And it's just like, well, I didn't really turn into this. I just have found my voice for for sharing the sharing the gospel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of when I was in high school, we had a teacher that taught sophomore English. It was really big on us giving speeches. And like one of the speeches that we had to do was like a how to speech. And I wasn't brave enough to do this. But a, a friend of mine in um, a couple of years younger than me. Uh, for his how-to speech, talked about how to accept Jesus as your savior. And oh wow! Holy crap! Like people just lost their brains, man. Like, and like the they were so mad, and this feedback was so negative. And the teacher's like, he met the requirements of the of the assignment. It was a how-to mm -hmm. speech. He told you how to do something. If you don't like it, that's not on me. That's not on him. That's on you. You know, and like the the way that we were able to build them up was just by saying that if you're if people weren't hating you, your Christ light wouldn't be shining. And, you know, that's but again, that feels so personal and it's so hard to walk through. But like, you know, I was just glad that we, that, that that young man had a community of people surrounding him and saying, hey, I think you're doing the right thing. You did it all the right ways. And, you know. If people don't like it, that's not you. That's that that's that that's more on them than it is on you. But it was still very brave and and very well done for a sophomore in high mm -hmm. school presenting the gospel. No kidding. So, no kidding. Yep. It's the equivalent of Stephen getting stoned. Yeah, pretty much. You know? Yeah. Wow. Yep. To have the fortitude to do that, that's impressive. Yeah. I couldn't tell you what my how to speech was about. But I darn sure remember his, you know. Right. Um, and then like the other two are that I don't know about enough about the Bible, and then that my story isn't dramatic enough to make a difference. Mm -hmm. Like those are all excuses that we that we say. Like especially the one about the dramatic story. Like I I know that in my history I have said those words. I have those words have literally been said out of my mouth. Like I thought I was off the hook for for evangelism forever. Because my story just has nothing to it. Right. I've but, definitely felt that way. Yeah. Yep. Because mm -hmm. like when I was in college, when I was at USF, the big, the big story 
uh, that everyone kind of knew because he was a part of Life Light Ministries um, for for a while was Brian Head Welch. Um, he was the lead singer of Corn and like talks about like doing meth and like smoking cocaine and you know doing other doing other drugs. You no, know, but then like he woke up one day and like watched his daughter watching one of his music videos and said, "Yeah, I need to reevaluate my life choices." Like. You know that's evangel. Like in my in my stupid college brain, I was like, no, that's evangelism. Like that's mm -hmm. what that looks like. That's what evangelism looks like. I don't have anything like that. You know. Right. And then it wasn't really even until I got to seminary when I had a professor named Dr. Gary Strickland who came to faith like you and like me as he was sharing his faith story with us. And it's very boring. It's, it's like all of us. He's a PK and you know just very gradually came into faith. You know, he's like, well, some people cross over into salvation at the narrow part of the river. Others, you know, others, the, the river's a little bit high, a little bit, you know, a little bit wider. But sometimes, he said, sometimes the miracle is what God saved us from in the first place, not what God pulled us out of. You know, mm -hmm. and that, that always is something that has resonated with me a lot because my story is not very exciting at all. But yet... There's none, there's there's not a lot of people that have that big dramatic story. And so stories that are are more, you know, I don't know what the word quite is. I don't want to say normal, but you know, a little less a little quieter. You mm -hmm. know, that's gonna be that's gonna be more of your norm than the than, than and those larger stories get the publicity and they get the get the public eye, but there is still power in those those more more tame stories. Mm -hmm. Because that's more often than not what people are going to experience. Right. Yeah. Well, it's even like the the Tim Tebow story. Everyone butchers him for expressing his faith all the time. And I'm like, good for him. Yeah. He's one who, you know, I think his faith story is as boring as ours. Yep. Just grew up in the church and that's just, you know, what you do. And yep. he's willing to use the platform that he has to share that with others. And I think that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. He may be a tool a little bit. I don't know. Right. A little bit. But but good for him. Like, he's yeah. not afraid. No, not at all. Yeah. yeah I just all. think that's so cool. It's, and it's, it's always cool. Like, when you go to, um, like, when I've gone to Vikings games in the past, there's always a large contingent of both teams who gather at the center of the field after the game to pray just that alone can be such a powerful message to people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That these world-class athletes yep. who are making millions of dollars oh, yeah. have the same faith that you and I do. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, yeah. I think that's so cool. Yep, the same faith and the same priorities. And, like, not that they're using that as a springboard to pro proclaim the message, but yet they're still telling the story that their faith matters to them mm -hmm. by taking the time to do that. Yeah, I think that's huge. I think it's so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to, to notice so cool. that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, when uh back when I was in Burke, our first football game after the tornado in 2019 was against Sunny was was against Sunshine Bible Academy. Mm -hmm. Like that, I mean, they were going to stop and pray anyway. But like mm -hmm. they like both teams full on huddle in the middle of the field praying. Um, mm -hmm. you know, that was such a powerful moment to know that our community had been through just so much. Like we lost, like we had to move the game to the middle of the afternoon because we lost our the lights on our football field. Yeah, we we just been through it, 
and to know that they were praying for us and going to be and willing to pray with us was just huge. That was yep. so powerful. The other way we try to get ourselves off the hook is by saying we just don't know enough about the Bible, which is a fixable situation. You know, mm -hmm. like we can always learn more. I mean, we right. talked a couple of weeks ago about, you know, when we were talking about the sources of theology and the, and the sources of, of learning theology, you know, we can, we can pick up a study Bible. Uh, we mm -hmm. can pick up a, you know, a, 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 a basic intro. Like there's, there's a lot of great one volume, like one book introductions to the Bible, like mm -hmm. that are just solid. They're just solid, solid books, solid resources. Like, we can learn more if we want to, yeah. if we, we, I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of on us, you know, but also I think like, like I said on Sunday, I think there's an aspect where like the disciples didn't fully know the word either. Like they right. would have had, I mean, they would have had some learning from their time in Hebrew school. They would have known, they would have, they would have known what they picked up from the synagogues and at the temple, but like they didn't, I mean, there wasn't just Bibles around there. There wasn't just what we, what we call the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible. Like they wouldn't have known either, but yet that never stops them from sharing their faith. And for them, they don't have nearly the opportunities that we did because everything they would have gotten was secondhand. Yes. You know, people telling them and not having the opportunity to actually read it for themselves. Yes, absolutely. You know, of the Old Testament. Yep. They got to witness the whole Jesus thing. So that's different. Right. Yeah. But. Yeah. They got to witness the whole Jesus thing. And then they wrote a lot of the Bible. Mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, not the, I mean, the, the Gospels there, are, if, you know, depending on, depending on which John's and which Matthew's, but like those are the works of the disciples. And then, like, you know, there are other Gospels that were written that were not accepted as biblical canon, but yet are still documents that exist, not have had a firm grasp on the word. Mm -hmm. And yet they were still able to share their faith and they were still able to, the, the early church was able to, to vote itself to the apostles teaching mm -hmm. that, that was their work. Right. Yeah. Um, so one of the thoughts that I had, Eric, um, and this might be, um, and uh, because I know your faith background, um, and because you know my faith background, it might be an interesting conversation. Um, who would you say is someone that evangelized to you? Like, who is someone that that really shared their faith with you in a way that made made it make sense for you? Well, my faith background is essentially the same as yours. Mm -hmm. Grew up in a grew up in this church, yeah. You know, and went to Ponset and went to Lake and Storm Mountain and. It's just what you did, right? Yep. You know, and so we, I, my family, 90% of the Stearns are all still Methodist, I would say. Um, we've never shared it verbally. Mm -hmm. It's just not something we really talk about, but it's yep. it's blatantly obvious what we believe, if that makes sense. Um, and so I don't know if there's one particular person but just growing up in that situation, it's um, or growing up in that type of a family. Yeah, it's just what you did. And if I can watch my grandparents and be like, that's who I want to be, mm -hmm. I'm going to go do what they do. Or watch my parents and be like, that's who I want to be. I'm going to go do what they do. And one of those, and their faith is important, is, is the most important thing to them. And so yeah, definitely, that's what I want to do. Nice. nice. Yeah, I don't know if there was one person who told me a story, you know, told me their faith story that made a 
made a huge difference in my life. Mm-hmm. But it's that great cloud of witnesses that go before us, right? In Hebrews. Yeah, totally. I have that in, in my family. So nice. Yeah. Did you have a particular person? Um, I mean, kind of the same as you. I mean, just watching my family and just, you know, the because faith is very important to, to a big chunk of my family. Um, you know, like just growing up and being a part of the church was very important to to my folks. Um, and all my grand my my grandparents as well. Um, my grandma Doris was a huge like she had a Bible study group that she met with every week, and they went like outside of Bible study. They had breakfast together every Saturday morning, and like you just knew that it was so important to her, and that it was just such a such a huge part of her life. Um, and then my aunt Nedra was also really big in serving her church. Uh, like she was the still, she was a one woman hospitality crew. Like, you know, she would take vacation and come to Gregory. Um, and like, she would spend at least half of her day writing cards to people back in Frankfurt that are a part of her church, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, uh, and when she wrote a card, it was like the inside, the other inside where the writing or the, where the words are, what we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And then the back. And then sometimes it was like an extra sheet of paper or maybe even two extra sheets of paper. But like, I, I loved that as her nephew, but like that was for everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. So, cool. yeah. So just that watching that part of her faith was important to me as well. Um, but like in terms of like pastors and stuff, um, one of the ones that comes to mind for me always is pastor Bob Simmons. Uh, he served the mm-hmm. Gregory church when I was in later elementary um, middle school and then into high school. Um, he was, he was in Gregory for seven years and I don't think I ever had a conversation with him where he didn't tell me that I was a walk and talk and miracle made in God's image. And Hmm. like, that has so like, it's felt cheesy then, but now that I'm older and can really appreciate it, that is definitely a phrase that sticks with me that I'm a walk and talk and miracle made in God's image. You know, and I can tell I can, that's really cool. I can hear him say it as I say those words. Mm-hmm. And so then I also had a camp counselor when I was at Ponset. Uh, he was a football player for Dakota Wesley and his name was Craig Evanson. And he was just, he was so funny and so cool and loved Jesus. And like, the, he's the guy that I always wanted to be like when I was a, when I was a kid and just, you know, and like the way that he was willing, like, because I'm a elder millennial, we had MSN messenger. And like he was willing yes. to add me on MSN Messenger and we would talk like even outside of camp and stuff, we would be able to talk to each other. And I was going through a hard thing and he'd be like, Hey, I'm here and you know, whatever you need, and just kind of yeah, and just it was never explicitly stated, but you knew it was inspired by his faith. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, sir. Yeah. What's next week? Yeah, so next week we are going to be peeling into a really, really juicy theological term. I was talking about it, or, or I put the, I gave Sarah the bulletin um, today to get the bulletin ready to go, and she's like, "Um, you're going to have to help me because I can't even pronounce this one." And I was like, "Oh, it's the word soteriology." Um, so we're back into an no ology idea. word. Uh, yeah, it's mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a it's a good juicy theological word. It's a twenty five cent seminary word. Um, but uh, soteriology is about salvation, uh, the study of salvation. How is it that salvation happens? Um, and so we're going to be kind of like I'm what I'm what I'm how I'm starting the sermon on Sunday is by like you know it's it's under the umbrella of grace. It's under that. It's another layer of that grace story. You know, I mentioned mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago that I say in prayer, I give you thanks for the gift of grace, oh God, and everything that grace means to us. 
Like this is under that under that big umbrella of what grace means to us is what salvation is, and like the work sure. that that goes into like the and the, the the work that goes into salvation, which is God's work and not ours. And so we're mm-hmm. gonna be digging into what salvation is and looks like, and 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 how we experience it, and why is it important that we experience it. Um, but we're gonna be focusing on salvation on Sunday. I like it. Yep. Yeah, it should be good. Well, thanks for joining us on this week's Cup of Time podcast. Join us again next week in person in the church at 10 a.m. online or for the podcast next week. Thanks for listening to our Cut for Time conversation. Join us for worship in person or on Facebook Live Sundays at 10 o'clock Central Time. And now go in peace and serve the Lord.